Hello and welcome to the MES Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Reagan, and today we are joined by John. How are you doing, John? Well, I'm doing well. That was an odd intro. I know, but it was very unique. And <laughs> equally as unique and interesting as that intro was the NFL and some allegations put on them about the deflate gate and it's been six years about no seven years since that happened and it's resurfacing that possibly there was no cheating going on with the air pressure of the balls what do you make of that article that came out well i mean it's a young article at this point because or a young report obviously just kind of breaking ground now but it's one that seems like it holds a lot of air or water whatever you want (laughs) to whatever pun you want to use there (laughs) But um, I, I think it's interesting because both sides of the coin make sense. Um, the report, I posted on Yes Sports, you guys can read it um, and make your own opinions about it. But for me, when I read it, um, the, the points that they were making, one, the, the the other games that were played that year during the same type of temperature and weather, the ball of that game versus the ball of the Patriots game were pretty much the same air, t- uh, air pressure. And obviously we all know that uh, if it's hot, the – the air will act differently than if it's cold. Um, and if it's cold, it might deflate itself a little bit because air pressure, not going to get into all of the science or mathematics or whatever you want to, whatever it may be there. But um, there's obviously stuff that goes on just by pressure inside the football um, that can make the ball seem a little bit more deflated than it actually was. But when you have when you have evidence of other games matching or pretty close to the same uh, pressure that the football was at that game, it kind of puts a little bit of a hole uh, in your argument. And then also the NFL purposely deleting all of that information from this game so that we have no idea what that uh, pressure of those footballs hmm. was, was also kind of fishy. A little interesting, um, Because man. I don't know why you would do that if you have nothing to hide. Uh, so that's ob- obviously that as well. Um, and then there's also the people that want it to be true are going to be like, but Belichick and Tom Brady didn't um, necessarily deny it in any way, right. blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't matter still even if they didn't deny it um there's still something going on with the nfl to the point where they never mentioned anything about this uh they deleted the numbers someone high up deleted the numbers um the uh i think at some point in the article they mentioned another article was reported based off of this i can't remember the exact details of the article but the guy was basically given a bum steer by a vp up high up in the nfl um he, uh, the guy that reported the article took the heat for it being wrong, but never named the source. But now they found out that it was a high up NFL executive, which had, um, which also lied about the whole deflation gate thing as well. So there might be something going on where they want to pin something on the Patriots team. But mm-hmm. I mean, if, if it's true that they never deflated a football, uh, that just adds to Tom Brady's legacy in, an, in a great way. And the fact that he can win. Uh, a football game and he can make it look like the balls were deflated. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's insane that those <laughs> players, because I mean, everyone's like, oh, they can grab the ball better because it's a little more squishy and blah, blah, blah. Or maybe they're just yeah. hands are that be- that good that they right. can squeeze the ball and make it look squishy. But yeah. um, maybe maybe they need to check the air or the the pressure of the of the grip of the players to make sure they're not cheating with it. Yeah, uh, somehow they're cheating. PDs just, just or something like that. There. But I mean, it's one of those things that there's going to be more reports on this. There's going to be both sides kind of bantering on this. It's kind of the last thing the NFL needs at this point. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that it resurfaces now, and the, and the NFL's had some troubles recently. The NFL has had some troubles. They're in the middle of a couple lawsuits. People know about all that. Won't get into details, but, I mean, adding this on top of it, maybe Roger Goodell could be replaced by another um, commissioner. Maybe it's time. Maybe there's a little too much going on behind the scenes for him. But really interesting because, I mean, 
it's it's helpful to see know the facts and stuff. And also, another point that the article mentions is the fact that they um they uh, the guys that uh, posted, which was I think it was Pro Football Talk, uh, where they mentioned they sent uh they they gave the NFL an opportunity to respond to said accus or accusations, and the NFL basically said nothing. They never wrote back to either of them, uh, and that's even more incriminating than than. Then if they wrote back and said this isn't true, so they're not will- if they're willing not to deny it, it kind of feels like. And also, this is the media, so if you don't deny something, they're gonna take this to yeah. to the extreme and just start hammering it a little bit. More reports will come out over the next couple of weeks on yeah, it's this. It's probably gonna take some time to get the truth. I, I yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, but it's just gonna be one of those things that we're gonna. And I think people are gonna want to hear from Tom Brady himself and Bill Belichick and what they have to yeah, say. We'll see. I'm not sure that they make a comment on it. I, I don't know. I think Tom Brady would if it's going to help his legacy. Uh, but, I, yeah, I think, like I mentioned, I think it's just going to build Tom Brady's legacy in the correct light and fashion. But it's really one of those things that the truth is either one thing or another. It's it's literally a football. I mean, the way to get you get the truth out completely is if they have the measurements. So if the NFL is holding on to measurements and they actually not true that they deleted it, put their measurements out online, let everyone see it, uh, and then you basically save yourself from – a bunch of fire that's going to be coming your way if indeed you did all these things that this this is accusing you of and you're not going to comment on it. Yeah. If, if someone accused me of all of that, I would be like at least saying something like uh, that's not true or, or if it isn't or true. something. Or maybe if it isn't true, I'd be like I can't comment on it or something. Respond in some fashion or another, not just <laughs> crickets. Yeah. We'll have to see kind of what that comes out to be and we you know there's been some shakiness and things and um, I know people right now are even talking about some other shakiness with the Pro Bowl and what we had to witness there. Um, I know some people were upset with the level. Of, like, are they really trying that game? It was, it wasn't. I mean, I think you'd agree. It wasn't anything to watch, really. No, it wasn't. So, do you think that they should change or modify how the Pro Bowl is run? I mean, I, don't, I, I don't really see the point at this at this point. If that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think. Um, and you can look this up if you have a second. Why I, I talk about this? How how much of a viewership they got, uh, for that Pro Bowl. But I think it, it, when, you, when you watch the Pro Bowl, you see bones of a uh, of something that could be really great. The the Diggs brothers rivalries and uh, all these young stars getting their opportunities to play with all these veteran wide receivers and defensive guys learning from uh, veteran guys like Micah learning from uh, White or Devin White or Via Vea or whatever whatever the case may be. And these guys, if they play full strength, they're going to be playing really well. So, and I mean, there's going to I've seen uh, people that are playing right now, linemen that say we're getting million-dollar contracts, we're not going to play a full out, we don't want to get injured, blah, blah, blah. Or I've seen guys that say um, our our, uh, our Pro Bowl or All-Star game is at the end of the season, so that's why why it's been the way it is. Uh, I've seen uh, like guys like Deion Sanders who've said stuff like we tried and applied ourselves. So there's a lot of sides of the coin to this matter, and a lot of people are going to be up in arms about what 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 happened. And I frankly watched a little of it, and then we're like, I, I just can't handle this anymore. But like I said, there's bones of, of something that's going to be really like a skeleton, something that could be really great if they put the right stuff around it, right stuff on it. Like maybe move it to the middle of the season, and uh, or maybe right after the regular season play, give guys a week off put a pro bowl in there, play there because those guys are going to be in peak condition as far as playing at, um, at a high level. 
they won't get injured as much because it's wrong at the right, uh, right, right at the start of the season. They've conditioned themselves. They're in a good situation. These guys are playing the best of their uh, ability. And maybe you don't even do it where only the two players that are going to be uh, eliminated get to play. Maybe all players get to play, including the teams going to get to the Super Bowl. That's why you put it at the beginning of the playoffs because it gives teams, uh, teams a position to rest, but it also gives them an opportunity to come in and play, make it a little more competitive or something because it, it desperately needs to. But if you're not going to do that and you're just after the money or the viewership of the whole thing, then just do skills challenge. Just do like three hours of just skill, skill challenge, whether it's like pushing heavy objects, lifting heavy objects, uh, the longest throw, uh, precision passing, add different events to it. Um, maybe like little scrimmages um, where it's just wide receiver on cornerback, see who can make the best catch. Uh, or And then maybe like do your own home run derby type situation where it's just throw it the deepest that you far, uh, possibly can and then you kind of measure it and see who wins. Uh, maybe do some uh, kicking a little bit more, get the kicks or kickers involved a little bit, pin them deep challenge. You can do so many things that are going to get the get people to tune into your Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is not going to be that thing because I think the little competition between the Diggs brothers um, might have been better in the uh, skills challenge than it was uh, that everyone's talking about in the in the Pro Bowl. Also, like like I just want to see people like get hit. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're like touching them and they're fall, all falling down. It's like it, it's been pitiful. Um, maybe it would even be better if they just strapped some flags on and just ran because then that would even be more entertaining because people actually be leaping out for the flags and try to make plays, stuff like that. Stuff. I, I, I get it. You don't want to get injured. But, like, if you're going to play in the Pro Bowl, you have to be willing to get injured because otherwise you're going to lose a lot of money. I'm surprised they haven't even started to lose money yet for the Pro Bowl. Um, I, well, I, I just looked at that viewership thing you're yeah, saying. Yeah, go ahead. It's kind of hard to find what it was, but it's, I mean, it's nothing compared to regular season games or the oh, championship yeah, of course. games at all. But they did. It's one of the sources that they hit their, their highest in five seasons for the Pro Bowl. So I guess the viewership is up. It's just not... Something just, that I would want to see. I don't know if hardcore NFL fans are really excited about it, but it, it it's just, I guess, a little fun thing. I guess it's get. more like, I, I think it's more for the players, but yeah. I think you'll get even more viewership because I imagine that, like, that high um, that they've given, like, that high the viewership was probably in the low millions or whatever, uh, 1.3 yeah, million or whatever. Like 8.6. 8.6, okay. So I guess. Compared to, like, 50 million. That right, yeah. Or whatever. But, like, if you move it to, like, like I mentioned, right before. Uh, right before the playoffs or whatever, you could get probably that number to go up even higher, maybe 25 million people to tune in because, and, and you get them to actually play and be physical a little bit. I think that'd be more entertaining. But I, even if they just have, don't even fix the Pro Bowl and they keep it the way it is because players have their concerns, coaches have their concerns, GMs have their concerns about the players' health, don't want to get them injured, all that stuff. They just have them do more of those skills challenge because I really, really enjoyed the skills challenge that they did. I thought that was entertaining and fun to watch, more fun to watch than the Pro, uh, Pro Bowl itself. But if you make that longer and over a couple more days, um, the Skills Challenge, I think I think then the Pro Bowl become more palatable for more people because they'll get more excited about it. Uh, and they'll, and us, I think that number also could just be people like us that just turned it on, had it in the background, didn't really sit down and watch it. But I imagine it's actually pretty fun to go there in person. Uh, and I think it's turned into more of like an experience for the the um, players to get to know other players, veteran players, same players in their uh, conference and divisions, uh, and just interact with them. That's really what it's turned into. It's not really about the game. Um, it's more, I think, mentorship and stuff like that. But I think there's going to be a lot of backlash if this is the type of game that it's going to be where it's just 
literally touching and then they kind of fall over. Actually, they don't even fall over anymore. It's now just touch them and they just kind of yeah. stand up. And the run game's turned into nothing. You can't even run the football anymore because the linemen just kind of stop yeah. blocking and it's easy to make the tackle. But yeah. I think if they just played all out, I think it would be one of the most entertaining football games of all time because it's the best of the best. Uh, other than the t- players that are in the Super Bowl, that would be so much fun to watch. We get hundred point games in that in that time well, yeah, frame. Yeah, it should be like if you're gonna go play the Pro Bowl, I feel like they should do. It's not a, a waiver. The in, NFL is not liable to um, any injury that could come <laughs> come well, through this. Yeah, we'll have just to play. See. I think that probably based on some of what people said, they might do some modification. We'll have to see next season. I think the skills challenge thing is growing. It's getting more steam, and so we'll have to see if they expand it, like you said, um, and. They'll kind of figure it out. I think it should be. It may, it may be different next season. We'll have to see. I think it might evolve, but we'll have to see what the NFL does with some of these other things that are on their hands. Um, before we switch over to the NBA, I wanted to ask you real quickly about Aaron Rodgers and what you think is going to be happening with his uh, future career. Do you think he'll be staying, or should he uh, should he end up going to another team? Uh, I think at this point, with all the shakeup that's been happening, uh, as far as the NFC is concerned. He could probably do some damage in the end where he's at right now, uh, especially with the Saints uh, kind of being destroyed um, just through uh, coaches' changes. No, no one knows exactly where the quarterback's standing. A whole lot of things are going around. Uh, the Saints organization, the Bucks, depending on what type of quarterback they have, could be also falling off. Uh, and then you have. I mean, obviously, Seattle, they can get better, but the Rams. So you have some teams that are still going to have to going to be a little bit of a problem for you. But I feel like it's become a little bit easier for you to take control uh, of your own destiny uh, at this point. But do I think he'll stay? I don't know. I think it's there's a lot of variables. Are they going to be going through a rebuild? Are they going to use draft choices to get out of the players? Are they going to try to entice him with more than just a money and a contract? Are they going to put places around? Are they going to help him win now? Are they going to do you going through a rebuild? Because he said he does not want to be part of a rebuild. So they're going to have to appease him in a lot of ways to keep him uh, keep him around. But if if they decide the better route to do is to trade, uh, just let him kind of walk in free agency. This kind of weird situation that he's in because of the contract that they had him sign where he could go somewhere else, like to Denver or to the 49ers, would that be even a better situation for him? And I think if they don't put the pieces around him that he's requesting, going to the 49ers for a little swap between Jimmy Garoppolo and Aaron, uh, and, and himself would make a lot of sense between those two teams because I think the 49ers are also a team that could win right now, and I think they're even in a better situation than Green Bay is in unless they make a lot of really good plays as far as free agency through trades and then also through the draft. If they make the right decisions, they might be able to entice them enough to stay, but they're going to make all of the right decisions. Uh, And that's also going to rely on him becoming more and more involved in that locker room and in free agency and helping them make decisions. They've got to let him make more decisions and help out. Otherwise he's going to end up walking to a different team. I'd hate it to be Denver just because I think, Denver isn't in a position to succeed and in a position to win a Super Bowl. I believe the NFC is in the team they need to be in, not the AFC. So I think the 49ers would make a lot of sense. I also think maybe they could maybe get Seattle to get rid of Russell Wilson, put Aaron Rodgers in that situation. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is not going to get control of the roster anyway because it's pretty much just Pete Carroll and the owner and John Snyder that are making all the decisions. So he won't be able to have all that power, but he could also go into a, a place that they're starting the rebuild. So he'll kind of come in to a position where – they're starting to change, but if he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild at all, and it's really just the 49ers and the Broncos that are kind of the teams that could want him, I would say go to 49ers 
uh, unless Aaron, uh, unless the Green Packers make absolutely all the right plays. But right now, they just don't seem like the type of team that could win Super Bowls. At this point, I feel like they're just too inexperienced and they don't have all the pr- uh, proper pieces. Now, I believe if they add just like maybe two, three more pieces offensively and a couple pieces defensively, I believe they that everything sh- uh, shifts a little bit. But at this point, I believe the 49ers are a better team. And if he's at the helm, I believe they can be a, a Super Bowl contender um, immediately as soon as he as soon as he lands. Um, yeah, it'll and be, gets there. But it'll be I, interesting to see if they'll be able to keep him because there's been some strife there. Oh yeah, I mean he doesn't like what he said. He doesn't like the GM. Yeah, um, so but, I, it'd be kind of I don't know I, I don't know that I see him staying. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense for for his future. Um, all right, let's switch to the NBA. Um, talking about fun teams to watch. Uh, we were talking about the Heat, and you were really liking them. They're doing obviously very well for themselves this season. Um, you want to talk a little bit about uh, Heat basketball? Yeah, uh, I think yeah, it's interesting because last year everyone was kind of up in arms about it, them about the fact that they flopped in the play-in tournament, couldn't do anything, lost, got swept, I believe, to the Bucks uh, in the first round. Everyone's upset about that, but then they go on free agency, get Kyle uh, Lowry to come on to their team, uh, and then most of the pieces are the exact same. But with him, them, when they're all on the floor, their man coverage or man coverage, their man defense is really, really good. They can stay with the best of them, and then the help that they get and the swaps are very clean and very pure in the form of they're able to get into the lane and make steals, block shots, make contested shots, hard shots for these teams to capitalize in, and that's allowed them to get really big leads, particularly after half time in that third and uh, early third, kind of late third. Uh, and then it starts to get a little closer in the fourth quarters. But when they play really good man coverage and they uh, get the steals that are necessary, um, they, they're they really powerful and they're a hard team to beat. We saw that a lot with the Hornets uh, that they played a couple nights ago where they really just shut them down and really did not let them do pretty much anything at all uh, offensively and made them have eight points in a in the third quarter because they were so physical. They're willing to get fouls. They're so physical. They're not really worried about that. They just want the... They want the blocks and they want the steals. So most of the time, sometimes it will turn into a steal. Sometimes it will turn into a foul. But if you're getting fouls or if you're getting steals more often than fouls, it's just going to end up helping you in the long run. And then offensively, um, I think it was a little worse against the Spurs. But they're very good at um, they're very good at like passing the ball around and finding the open man. Um, they they have in both the games against the Spurs and against the uh, the Hornets they struggled with getting the three ball going quickly. They it took them time uh, to get a start to uh, to start to splash down a little bit. So that they need to clean that up and make that go a lot quicker because they need to capitalize a little bit faster and uh, especially when it gets to playoff time. But I think it was a lot a lot of cool stuff that they do. They do a lot of good job of passing and get to the open guy. And when they get to the open guy, that guy can either take the three or he'll move in uh, or if he'll cut to lane and try to get to the basket. Um, and then they use their big guys to capitalize on uh, rebounds, getting in there and try to fight for the rebound or getting it or passing it, knocking it back out to one of their guys behind the three that then will take the shot. And they're also really good at when the three is not dropping down to get it to Jimmy Butler uh, inside and he'll make the correct uh, play as far as mid-range jumper and get that to knock down. I think one of the reasons that they're so high up and number one in their, uh, in their, in their conference is their ability to just play really good on either end of the court and get better as the game goes along. Cause even if they have a slow first half, 
they'll have a great second half, particularly starting in the third quarter and gain separation. That I multiple times against the Spurs and the Hornets got the sample size we're looking at here. Both of those games, they were at a hundred points, where the other team was in this uh, had like seventy points, and that gave them just enough of a lead that even if they fell back a little bit, they were able to keep that lead and kind of keep things going and kind of kind of patch the boat as they were going along in the fourth quarter, end up pulling out uh, multiple W's. Uh, I think it's interesting. I don't think they're going to be a type of team that's going to really struggle uh, in the play-in tournament this year. I think they're too physical. I think they're too good. I don't even think they'll drop into the play-in tournament. I think they'll just be in the playoffs outright. Uh, I think their physicality and what they add there, the passes, the assists, the getting the steals, and then capitalizing on that in the floor, the fast break points are going to be extremely helpful for them. They're one of the few teams that don't have to change their defenses 100 times per game. I, I noticed in the last few games, it's just been pretty much exclusively uh, man, uh, man, um, man defense. Uh, and their ability, like I mentioned, to help uh, and just get into the lane and clog things up and then get the steal so they can't just pass it out and end up scoring a bucket for three or whatever. They really shut that down really well. If they can get you into traffic, it's usually them that comes out with the, uh, with the basketball uh, in the long run, which is also something that's going to be really helpful for them. So I, I've just, I'm really impressed with this team. It does not feel like the same team we saw the last few years. Uh, I think most of these guys are kind of coming to their own and starting to play really good basketball. Uh, I think they're using their bigs in the correct way to get the steal and be able to clog up the lanes, which is going to be really helpful for them in the long run as things move along throughout the season. I think it's one of those things that it's like they're kind of like one of those teams that a lot of teams were probably counting out at the start of the season because it was the Nets and the Lakers that were supposed to be the two good teams. But now those both of those teams are looking at playing tournaments and James Harden could be traded, which is a whole other situation, which I think we'll talk about in a second. But I think it's one of those things that I'm just super impressed with the way that the teams are playing. I think the pickup of Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry was a really good one where he's able to make plays and he's also able to make some shots when necessary uh, and, and play some big uh, big, uh, big minutes as well. But I think one of the players that really I think we knew about was Jimmy Butler. I think he's been kind of the strong point for a long time. But now we're also getting guys like Hero and Robinson uh, to also come to their own and shoot some threes and make threes that are going to be really helpful for them in the long run because this is turned into a three-point three point league where you have to be able to do that and have success in it. But like I mentioned, yeah, we'll be, we'll be covering a lot more basketball, especially because the Super Bowl's uh, coming more and more closely. It's only six days away from now, so yeah. I'm super excited about that as well. But yeah, that's kind of the points I have on that on the, on the heat right now, and I, I look forward to watching them more. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see kind of where they're able to go. Uh, final point, um, there was some talk of James Harden getting traded, and Steve Nash comes out and says that's not going to be the case. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I've seen really some really um, uh, contradicting views on this. I've seen he's not getting traded, but then I saw that he could be traded for Ben Simmons and Seth, Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really don't know exactly where okay. they stand, and we're not going to really know where they stand until the trade actually comes out because both reports seem – they've been – both those reports were put out by, uh, uh, you know, people that know what they're talking about. And <laughs> I mean, as far as reporting, but I, it, it seems like the Nets need to make a trade for James Harden because the big three isn't really working out the way they were hoping to. James Harden is, has a big market value, so I think a Ben Simmons, Seth Curry trade would be big for him. Get two guys that can definitely score and play defense onto your onto the floor if you're the if you're the Nets and get that whole headache off your uh, off your chest if you're the. Uh, if you're the 76ers, then add a guy like James Harden, who I do believe could be a good uh, asset and a second uh, hand man to uh, to um, Joel Embiid. Who I, I saw a report where a guy was saying that he's too selfish with the, uh, with the basketball uh, to give it to Joel Embiid, but I don't believe that's his, that's the case, mm-hmm. especially if they can start succeeding. 
and winning games. But I would not be surprised if what the ending report that we figure out is in the next couple of days, because there's only three days until that trade deadline ends, where they're like, okay, we're going to get rid of uh, a Ben Simmons and James Harden. He's going to do like a little trade there. The only issue I see is that there could be a little bit of a headache in the form of um, tampering issues where the league could look into that, which would cause maybe some draft pick losses for uh, both maybe just the 76ers teams. There's always that drama that they had to look into as well. But uh, And maybe that report isn't accurate, but there'd definitely be an investigation if that trade ever did take place. But it seems like that's the most logical trade. It seems like the 76ers want the headache off their sh- uh, off their shoulders. Uh, and so I think I think that trade makes a lot of sense for both, both sides. Excuse me. Uh, we talked about it a little while ago maybe three or four episodes ago where we talked about how I think they both complement the other team well enough that a trade like this wouldn't make sense. Uh, I think Seth Curry also going in there shows how desperate they are to, to get rid of uh, Ben Simmons and get James Harden onto their team. If they're willing to make a trade like that, uh, it seems like this is the right choice for them. There's going to be a lot of pieces uh, moving. Obviously we saw the Clippers trail trailblazers deal got get done a little while ago. I believe it was on Friday where we talked about that getting done. So I think CJ McCollum could also be on the move. We saw that he's, he, they're willing to get rid of him. So a lot of this is going to be happening over the next couple of days. I'm excited to see exactly how that all pans out. And hopefully on Wednesday, we'll have a clear perspective on everything. Yeah, we'll have to see where that goes. It'll be interesting to see. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks for hopping on. Lots yeah. of fun to talk Always about fun. different things going on in the sports world. And we will be talking again soon. Yeah. All right. See ya. See ya. God bless you.